Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. Good afternoon, and the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. I am Josiah, and welcome to our virtual living room, where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ, and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. At um, this point, I want to introduce you to the topic that we have for this afternoon. Uh, The title for the topic is Make Your Own Religion. And believe it or not, it comes from an article uh, that uh, is titled Make Your Own Religion, where it speaks about people essentially doing exactly that, making their own religion. Um, Joining me here today in the virtual living room to discuss this topic, I have first off with me our brother uh, Kabar. Yes, shalom, brothers and sisters. Good to be back with you, giving all praises to the Most High in Christ for the opportunity to bring forth edification out of the scriptures. All right. Also have with us uh, our brother Yuanathan. Yes, giving all praises to the Heavenly Father and His Son Christ. Uh, good afternoon to all. And last but certainly not least, I have with us our brother Abijah. Hey, shalom to everyone. We want to give all praises to the Heavenly Father and the Son in Christ for the ability to preach His Word as it is written. And as always, we hope that everyone receives edification from the show. Um, at this point, I also would like to uh, just let everyone know uh, that the chat room is open and available for their comments or questions. Um, brothers, to start, uh, this article uh, titled Make Your Own Religion, um, I'd like to read uh, an excerpt here uh, at the beginning of it to kind of give our audience a gist of what's going on here. Uh, this article, by the way, was written by Kathy Lynn Grossman of USA Today. It starts out, if World War II era warbler Kate Smith sang today, her anthem could be God's Bless America. That's one of the key findings in newly released research that reveals America's drift from clearly defined religious denominations to faiths cut to fit personal preferences. The folks who make up God as they go are side by side with self-proclaimed believers who claim the Christian label but shed their ties to traditional beliefs and practices. Religion statistics expert George Barner says, with a wry hint of exaggeration, America is headed for 310 million people with 310 million religions. We are a designer society. We want everything customized to our personal needs, our clothing, our food, our education, he said. Now it's our religion. And brothers, um, what I'd like to do is d- discuss a few points about this whole notion of making your own religion. And to start out, I, I-, I want to discuss uh, what is religion 
So we're really clear on that and go from there to talking about in the United States and in many countries around the world, very few countries where you find that there is absolutely no freedom of religion. There's freedom of religion on some level in virtually every single country. Uh, and then talk, discuss the need for religion. What's the, what's the big deal? Can why why are people compelled to go about uh, identifying themselves with some type of religious belief? And what are the rules for religion? You know, if you're going to create one, if you're going to make up one, what are the fundamental aspects? What must a religion have? And finally. I like to discuss if there is a true religion, what is that? What is true religion if there is such a thing? Okay? So, first of all, uh, would, would any one of you brothers happen to have a definition of religion, just a dictionary definition? Yeah, I, I uh, have a dictionary definition of religion. This is out of the uh, Webster's Dictionary. And. Uh, it reads, and just going to his very, you know, basic definition, it's a specific fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a number of persons or or sect. So basically it's a body of beliefs. And uh people adhere to these beliefs and these practices that come out of these out of whatever set of beliefs it is and that pretty much constitutes what you call their religion or their uh, uh, way of living or practice of living. Okay. Um, there's, okay. There's, there's, there's other definitions. Um, i just give the next one. Uh, it says, belief in, worship of, or observance to a supernatural power or powers considered to be divine or to have control of a human destiny. Destiny. So basically people, whatever supernatural power they believe in, whatever beliefs they attach to that, and out of that there's practices that people adhere to um, that kind of govern their behavior. And that's how you get, that's basically a definition of religion, a body of beliefs that people follow based on uh, the God they serve, per se. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, bro. Um, and now this this whole notion about freedom of religion, uh, you know, that is something you know that you should have, right? People should be free to exercise their religious beliefs. Am I correct? Well, in America, you do have something called freedom of religion that's in the Constitution. Right, because, you know, when you go back through history, you see so many instances where people have been persecuted because of their religious beliefs. And, you know, th this persecution, that is something that is wrong. I mean, because someone has a different religious identity than what you have, you shouldn't go about persecuting them because of that, should you? Well, the thing is that, um, you know, the scriptures tell us, to live peaceably with all men, there's no justification right. against against taking bodily harm against anybody or attacking or or or, or trying to um, hurt anyone. But the thing is, you know, it's just like, uh, and I'll just cite reference the article because you know we did talk about freedom of religion. That is uh, a constitutional right that people have in America. 
and other places in the world, and then there's other places in the world where that's not even allowed. But, you know, just drawing from this article, you could kind of see the effect of that, quote, unquote, freedom of religion, especially in America. And going back to the article about the second paragraph down, mm-hmm. um, this this is, uh, I'll just read, read the second paragraph. It says, religion statistics expert George Barna says, with an airy hint of exaggeration, America is headed for uh, 310 million people with 310 million religions. So basically you have this idea of freedom religion or, or right that people have. What it's actually doing is it basically gives people justification to go in any direction that comes into their head, to believe whatever they want, to feel however they want, to make up and follow whatever they want. And, and as you read this article, it goes into basically um, adding to uh, the non-cohesion in society, the, uh, the breakup of community and family, and basically it just really cites as negative effects on society because people go in all of these different directions, and there is no set sensual idea of how a person should live their life or what direction people should even go in. Okay, and you know, uh, I, I hear what you're saying because in the, in the same article, um, there's a uh, part here that kind of speaks to uh, the way Americans exercise this freedom. Um, it, it, there are a couple of bullet points here. One reads, more people claim they have accepted Jesus as their Savior and expect to go to heaven. The second bullet point, and more say they haven't been to a church in the past six months except for special occasions such as weddings or funerals. In 1991, 24% were unchurched. Today is 37%. So, But they still consider themselves to be Christians. So in the United States, and I would assume in virtually every country around the world, uh, you have people that are capable of exercising this freedom to some, some degree. Okay? And... So no no one is uh, standing over you, forcing you to go to church. If you choose not to go to church, if you choose to only go to church for weddings or funerals, or if you choose not to go to church even for weddings or funerals, that's your business. And we, we have a constitution, we have a set of laws in the United States that protect you from any harassment um because of your religious beliefs and, and and your lifestyle, and my question to to you brothers, and let me just go ahead and direct this to you, Jonathan, is there anything wrong with living that way where you are capable of making your own choices? I'm gonna say um, in this society, you know, they, they have laws, constitutions. And things of that nature, and many other nations, they have laws, constitutions, and what they establish is right. But again, that's what people um, establish is right. But we have to we have to understand that there's one thing here. This one thing is that there is a one creator. Okay, there is a one so-called that is the magnificent, that is the power, that is the God. And the thing is that we all should be aligning up to what he says. And, um, you know, with this article, it, it is true. It's, it's many of gods, and it's, it's always been that way. Um, it's always been many, many gods. 
But the thing is, there's only one true God. There's only one true power. And and if you ask me as a man, not even picking up, say, thus said the scriptures, true religion is doing what that one power commands man to do. And without doubt, there is only one true God that made the, the trees, the grass, and everything in between the skies mm-hmm. and the ground. You know, so that's... So with that being said, um, I just wanted to just bring this one verse, okay? Um, if I can get it, Psalms chapter 96, okay? The reason why I'm going here is because but this is a foundation. We can, okay, we can, we can understand that, look, there are, are many, like they say, a pantheon of, of the Greek pantheon of gods. There's the American pantheon of gods. There's always going to be numerous and numerous of idols, as we call them, false gods. Psalms um, 96, and I'm going to start at verse 4. It says, it says, For the Lord is great, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Okay, so whatever man wants to come up and make, they want, oh, that's a god. This one makes a fish god, a mermaid, or this one, this society makes this dog a cow, like over in India. That's a god, all these different gods. And let's not even go country to country. In the U.S., we got people making religion, uh, music a religion. Didn't care us one, the rapper make that a, a, a god. So there's always things going on. But that doesn't make it true. Verse 5, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in, are in his sanctuary. So the true God, he's the one that honor and majesty and truth, praise and glory. But the thing is, as we do in the show, the point is, look, it's about him. Be aware of all these other things, but it ain't, that doesn't make it true. Okay. Uh, and and what, I, what I'm trying to drive, drive to is uh, this whole thing about uh, these freedoms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when, when you start looking at the scriptures and you start looking at the freedom of religion in the United States, does that conflict with the scriptures? You know, does the scriptures does the scriptures direct you, force you to say, you've got to worship this way, you've got to worship this God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or does it does it say, you can worship whatever God you want to worship. This is the way you should do it. But if you want to do something else, then that's fine. You go ahead and do what you want to do. You know, the, the most high says, choose ye this day. The true God says, make your choice. So now if you want goodness, you're going to do what that one God says, though it's many avenues in this world, because that's going into sin. And, and, and But if you do what he says, it's blessings and, and glory, because you're doing what the Creator says. So there is a choice, but we exhort all to choose what the Lord says and do what he says only. Exactly. And, and man does have the man is a free moral agent, meaning he has the ability to make to choose between good and evil. But the thing is, God gave us a commandment to choose good. And then with that commandment, we can either obey it or disobey it. Psalms 103 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of of his pasture. So God made us and he is God. And it says we didn't make ourselves. So if we were created, then there is a being that made us and a being that uh, has a way for us to live. And the being gave us the most high, this this 
one and true power, God, gave us a commandment. And the commandment is Acts 17 and 30. It says, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now what? Commanded all men everywhere to repent. That's not freedom of religion. A commandment is direct, meaning you shall do this or you shall not do that. And the Lord gave us a commandment, not freedom, not do whatever you want to do, but a commandment to actually repent. But you know what? I have a question, and I want to put this, add this into the panel also. Where did where is the origin of religion? Because we already know the definition is a specific fundamental set of beliefs or practices, okay? But where did actually religion come from? Because as we go on to see, God gave us commandments, like he just told us, laws, statutes, and commandments, okay? So where did these other body of beliefs, ideas, feelings, thoughts, where did that actually originate? And what I want to turn to now is the book of Genesis, because this is where the all originates and comes from. God created man, like we just read in Psalms, and he also gave man commandment, like we read in Genesis, in the garden. And when God made man and then he made woman from the man, he said what? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. And the Lord gave, and the Lord God commanded, once again commandments, not, okay, believe what you want, but commanded the man saying, Every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So God gave man commandments and what to do and what to follow. But we jump over into the third chapter and we see something radically different going on. Here it is, the serpent, the devil, this other supernatural being, entity, starts to interact with the man and the woman. And he comes to the woman that God created out of the man, and he says something completely different to her. He says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 2, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye should not surely die. So here God is saying, If you commit this act, you're going to die. And here it is, somebody else, something else is telling you that you're not going to die. Those two are opposite of each other. And I'll mm-hmm. go on. It says, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. So you begin to see how this outside force is trying to influence this woman to go against God, to transgress a commandment that was given to her. But what happens? She has the ability to choose to do it or to not to do it. Just like that man, Adam, has the choose, ability to choose to do it or not to do it. Verse 6, it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So we see a choice. That God already gave them the specific beliefs and practices that they were supposed to do, which is keep his commandments. But they developed another set of beliefs and practices against what God commanded them. Mm. That's your beginning of religion. That's your beginning of man-made doctrine, philosophy, and leaning on his own understanding, of which you have the birth of all of these other religions. Now, I'm going to prove that point because when you go into the book, go into the Apocrypha, and second measures, 
chapter 7 and verse 48, that's what the brother um, Ezra cites. He cites that very point. In Second Ezra chapter 7 and verse 40, it says, O thou Adam, what hast thou done? For though it was thou that sinned, thou art not full and alone, but we all that come of thee. Now, what that actually means is, like you go into the scriptures, the understanding came out through the new covenant when a brother Paul brought it out. What? For all men have, uh, for all men are under that sin and that transgression, because all men have gone against God or went against His commandments. So it wasn't just because Adam did something. Now all of us are jacked up. It's because all of us followed that example of Adam, leaned on our own understanding, just like Eve leaned on our own understanding, and created our own way of life created our own set of beliefs, or if you want to use the term used in America, we had our own freedom of religion that we developed in our own minds. And look what, look what the state it has brought us to. So that's your origin of religion, man-made religion in the world today. That's who it began, and we have the spread of it and the destruction of it continuing unto this day. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that, bro. Um, uh, Abaja, based hey, on... Yes, sir. And, and just think about it. What was just so wrong with just doing what was thus said the Lord? I mean, exactly. why you got to go and reinvent the wheel? So, and that's what's going on now. That's just saying to to hell with the Creator. You ain't good enough. I'm gonna make my own thing. And you know, you know, and that's that's a very very good question that you have you're asking there, Yuanathan. Uh, and, and and maybe you can expound on it a little bit because uh, people have seem to have a need for religion. Where you know where does this apparent need come from? And it 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 it, it uh, surfaces. It appears in all different shapes and forms. You have Christ, you know, the three dominant religions: Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And then within those three religions, you have all these various sects and denominations. And then you have other religions outside of those, which would I guess you could consider be minor to them, like uh, Buddhism, Hinduism. Uh, and some and some others, and then even within those, you have different sects. So, what what is the what is the driving force behind this need? You want to talk? You know, I, I I'm gonna let the other brothers answer that because I'm looking up some scriptures. Maybe the other brothers can fire off right quick for you. Okay. All right. Because we can go right back to the to the same point definition you know, that specific fundamental set of beliefs and practices. Now, that that those fundamental beliefs and practices that we're actually supposed to be doing and following is the one that the Lord gave us, the ones that the Most High already commanded us. We wasn't supposed to make up our own beliefs and practices. That's where the problem came in at. And the, the need for, uh, we could use the word religion, but the need for a way of life, the need for, a way of conduct is so that what there'll be order and that we'll have a direction that our life is actually most actually supposed to be going in. Just like you read in the book of in uh, in Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha once again, chapter twenty and verse thirty two, it tells us necessary patience and seeking the Lord is better than life without a guide. And that's what we're actually looking for. What is our guide to life? How are we supposed to do things? How are we supposed to think? How are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? That guide that we're supposed to be following is the scriptures, the commandments, the way Christ lived his life, 
That's why we have a need for quote-unquote religion or a way of life. That body of beliefs and practices that we need are the commandments that God already gave us through Christ. That's where the need comes in at. Because if you don't have that, then you all you have is this chaos that you see in the world today where people make up their own thing. Some of people's you got some people's religions require them to sacrifice people and drink their blood. Okay? Some people's religion requires all types of other things. But none of that is what the Lord but those, actually leads. But but you know, many people when you say that, you know, people say yeah, we know about that. Those are those pagan religions. Uh, you know, civilized true religion d- don't do things like that. We we know better. Well, what's civilized? <laughs> this whole world, if we leave it off from the true God, then we all are like the scripture said, like David said, I was a brutish man, meaning what, an animal, a beast, the base. Then we're all in that same condition now. So who who's so that again goes that civilized was not all of that, all of that. When you leave off from the Lord, from drinking the blood, or, not, or just something as simple as not serving the Sabbath, or you're going to go and just do things that's defiling what, according to what the, the word of the Lord says, all of that stuff is uncivilized because the true civilization is righteousness that was given by the Heavenly Father. When he breathed into Adam what, his breath, his, his righteousness, his wisdom, his knowledge and understanding. Okay, so um, in regard to people needing religion, you know, so uh, again, what what is the driving force? You know, why 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 is it then that people just feel so compelled to be involved in religion? Now, there's a few people that say no because they don't even believe in God at all, and then others say, I don't know whether there's a God or not. I'm just not going to be involved in this stuff. Okay, well, but you know what. We can go right back to the article on that because that's the dilemma in the world. Because God gave man commandments, and man decided to go into his own religion, his own set of beliefs and practices, and then what? Out of that, matter of fact, I'll just I'll I'll go right to Isaiah chapter sixty and verse twenty because that's what you have in the world today from all of these religions. Isaiah sixty and twenty says, "For behold." The darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be upon thee. Now this darkness that's covering the earth, earth, and this gross darkness that's covering the people, is a, is ignorance of the Most High's commandments. Is the is the people going into wickedness, idolatry, fornication, and every other abominable thing that we read about in the scriptures? All it is is this mass migration of everybody away from the Most High and keeping his commandments. That's the gross darkness that has covered not only the earth, but everybody on the earth except for his elect. But the scriptures also says, well, but the, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be upon thee. The Lord arising upon us and the glory that is going to be seen upon us is that even though the entire world is going contrary to the scriptures and the commandments, you're going to have those chosen few, the Lord's elect, who are actually going to be living a life according to the commandments of the Lord, even though the entire world and everyone else is going against it. We read that in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 when it tells us that we know the whole world, that we are of God, that, and that the whole world lieth in wickedness. So that's why we need a God, because other than that, we'll be in darkness. 
Yes, sir. This is Abaja. Can I uh, just uh, add on to that? Just sure. to go into the whole thing about the choice and why people feel the need to have, you know, their so-called own religion or the different religions. I want to read uh, from Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, starting verses 1 through uh, 3, actually going through verse 4, because this is a letter that Paul had wrote to Timothy. Because for those that don't understand, Timothy was a young man that Paul had set up to be a bishop over a church, meaning that he had to have the understanding of the scriptures to be able to discern good and evil according to the word and repentance through Jesus Christ. And these are some of the warnings that he told him to look out for. This is 2 Timothy 4 and 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So the thing is, is that the standard by which we're supposed to preach the word, the standard by which we're supposed to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all longsuffering, meaning patience and doctrine, is the scriptures and the example of Jesus Christ. Why did he say that? Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So he tells us exactly where this need comes from. When people find something in the scriptures that they don't agree with, then what they do, they want to find someone to scratch that itch for them. And it's telling you what the motivation or the motive is. It says they turn away from sound doctrine to satisfy their own lusts. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate you bringing that out, Abaja. Uh, brothers, we do have a visitor to the virtual living room. And visitor, you're coming to us from code 928235. If you would, I'm sorry, I guess that um, person is not anybody that wants to actually come in and have a um, conversation with us today. Um, well, Abaja, that was a, 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 a great point that you brought out there. Um, you know, we had another, uh, the, the next uh, discussion point is uh, the rules or the fundamentals of making a religion. And uh definitely want to get into that. Um, well, yes, I am. Before you, before you get into that point, because I wanted to to go back up and, and deal with that uh, that need for religion. Because when we talk about need for religion, we, what we're really wanting to get to, the main point is we need, people need a guide for the way they live their life. There has to be some kind of way we're supposed to be conducting ourselves. There has to be a way we're supposed to be living. That's the need that it's coming from. And I just want to cite this point from the article because this guy, um, in the article that's mentioned, Paul Morris, all right, he's an Army medic at Fort Bragg, and it goes through his story and how he basically went from being raised in a certain faith to going to non-belief at all. So this Paul Morris is, is pretty much the last three paragraphs in the article. And it says, Paul Morris, an Army medic at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, a veteran of six tours in the Middle East, said he has seen Christianity, Judaism, and Islam in action. Okay, I'm supposedly gathering this from his his uh, uh, army, his uh, military uh, career, and, and and how he's seen various people who was uh, of these states and how mm-hmm. they behave. Okay, it says for better or for worse, 
and frankly, he'll pass. Morris grew up old-style Italian Catholic, okay, so he's a Catholic, but said he never felt like his spiritual questions were answered. So that's the, he's, he's, here it is, he's in Catholic church, whatever, and that's how we read about the statistics that you went from, uh, what was it, 24% who was not going to church up to 37, almost 40%, all right, over that, what, 10-year period, 15-year period? And why is that migration out of the church? Because of the same experiences that not only Paul Morris, but I'm sure each one of us can cite about how we was in these various places, but it was like he said, his spiritual questions were never answered. So he goes on to say what? So I just wiped the slate clean. I studied every major religion on the face of the planet. Everyone had parts that made sense, but there was no specific dogma or tenet I could really follow, Morris said. So now I call myself agnostic, one who just doesn't know. What I believe is that if you can just do the right thing, it works everywhere. So here it is. He's in a place, just like a lot of us was, whatever, temple, uh, church, synagogue, whatever, our spiritual questions wasn't being answered, and why? Because people wasn't teaching according to the scriptures. They wasn't teaching, thus saith the Lord. They wasn't teaching out of what was written in a Bible. And because what people were saying was not matching up with the scriptures are actually bringing out, and you saw how people was actually living their life, people decide this ain't the truth, I don't want to deal with this, and they go and do their own thing. Okay, so that's why you have this need for a way of life, this need for really the truth of how we're supposed to be conducting ourselves, because if we don't, ultimately all of us would end up like the same guy, Paul Morris, just wandering about through life doing our own thing. Okay, but but now when you start talking about uh, behavior and all that, doesn't the government have laws to kind of guide your behavior so that, um, you know, if people would obey the laws of the government, then you, you wouldn't have stealing, you wouldn't have killing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and things would work harmoniously anyhow. So where's the, the need for religion? Well, it, it go right back to the question. He said that his spiritual questions uh, were not answered. That's, that's really the, the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, all right, you know, the purpose, you know what I mean? Okay, why am I actually alive? Okay, I pay my taxes and all that, but what am I supposed to be doing? Where's my life actually going? I'm not stealing. I'm not killing nobody. Okay, then what? You know what I mean? So that's why you need the, the scriptures and the commandment, that true religion that the scriptures actually speak about that we're going to hopefully get a chance to go into. Okay. All right. And then you... Just sorry if I could add that, again, also, why would someone straight up create something uh, and say and mandate it like this is from the creator or whatever? It goes into, um, it comes and makes me to remember the scripture in First John 2 and verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father." but is of the world. So the, I would, would like to stop on that, the, the um, lust, the pride of life. Oh, I could come up with a way that's supreme. I could come up with a way that is right. And, again, that would be a, a reasoning factor why would someone leave off what the true God would say and make up their own thing. And that's what we're dealing with. 
and multiplied over and over, people that's full of rebellion, full of pride, and full of wickedness within, and think that they can find a way that's much better than what he said, what, love the Heavenly Father as yourself? Christ said, and then love your, I mean, your brother as yourself, and love the Heavenly Father first with all your heart, mind, and soul. What, what, what more do we need than that? Okay, brothers, we got tons of religions in this world today, um, and they are come about for a number of different reasons. Uh, many of them are drawn from the Bible. Um, some of them have other holy documents, if you will, uh, the, the Quran or whatever that they draw from to actually form the basis for the religion. And what I want to do is go to a break, and when we come back from the break, uh, let's talk a little bit about these fundamental aspects of these religions you know uh, what how do people go about actually making them up what 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 all is involved the body of christ church invites you to listen to all our programs on blog talk radio these programs are meant to edify the listener regarding repentance and good works that come to the Holy Scriptures. The weekly program schedule is Sunday at 2 p.m., Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m., and Saturday at 9 a.m., all Eastern Standard Time. Our Spanish broadcast is at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time each Saturday at blogtalkradio.com slash ICDC. Please accept our invitation to call in to our show at 646-716-7749. Your comments or questions are eagerly encouraged, whether they agree or disagree with the viewpoints expressed by those involved in the program. Again, call in now. Please dial 646-716-7749. Our website 
the DOCC.com contains our telephone number and email address, as well as audio and video biblical lessons and other information geared toward edification and repentance and good works. Again, our website address is the DOCC.com, so please feel free to connect with us today. Okay, uh, we're back, and uh, we uh, before going to break, uh, I told you, brothers, that we what we wanted to discuss was uh, these rules, the fundamentals. What things seem to be uh, common to all religions? Let's talk about that a little bit, uh, brother Abaja. Um, when when you when you take a look at all the various religions that they are, you know, Christianity, Judaism, and and Islam, you know, they all seem to have some things in common. As well as uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and other religions, what what would you think would be like the essentials for making up a religion? Well, it just goes right back to uh, you know what I was reading in Timothy is that you have people that have those itching ears and they seek those teachers that are teaching those things and they're being turned into fables because when you look at all of these different religions that are out here. You know, they have their, I guess you could say they are loosely structured around something, whether it be uh, the Bible, whether it be the Quran, whether it be the Enuma Elish, or any, any type of so-called, I guess you could say, highly regarded or sacred text or writing, okay, most of them. And then you have others that necessarily aren't, you know, centered around, you know, a so-called sacred text or writing or something of that nature. But it just goes back to the source of it is, you know, people wanting to make up their own way and become gods themselves, so to speak, or they're their own god, and just bypass, uh, you know, whatever is written or what has been established for whatever reason. But going, just going more directly to the to the question, some of the, I mean, it, that's really a broad question because it's really what that need that individual that group has that's going to dictate those things that make up that religion. But they all seem to have a God, at least one God. You know what? And, and also, when you look at all of these quote-unquote major religions, all of them claim to have the truth, or this is the truth, or this is the true way. And I think that I think that's the major appeal to any one of these quote-unquote so-called religions is that it, it alludes to offer people the truth or some kind of spiritual clarity. Okay? Aside from the truth, is there any other satisfaction that is offering? That does it have salvation. to offer that? Salvation. They, are they all offering salvation? Well, I mean, yeah, like, like Hindu, about Hinduism and Buddhism. I don't. I don't know if you brothers are, know much about that, but do those offer salvation? They offer a, a level of enlightenment, which people consider to be salvation, a higher level of being, so you know, so-called. 
but that but that's what it, but it's all based off of that that claim to be the truth. That's the appeal. Well, Josiah, just to answer the question directly, your question directly, do they offer salvation? Let's go to Acts, the fourth chapter. Okay. And this is uh, Peter speaking to the people. He says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. The point is in verse 12, and he says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Mm-hmm. So the scriptures are very clear as far as what salvation is and whom salvation comes through. That, that, that is not an inclusive or broad thing. It says, Neither is there any other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So for people to go outside of that, again, that just goes to them trying to satisfy their own lust to, you know, create something and just rule over it and live life as they see fit rather than living life under the commandments of the Heavenly Father and the example of Jesus Christ. But, but yep. you know, when, Kavar, do you have something? No, no, no. No, Yanta, I don't know if Yanta wants to say something, but when you, when you ask, the, ask the question of, you know what's the rules or the fundamentals of basically the 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 um the theme or the main element that you find in all of these so-called religions or when people are trying to make up their own religion everybody is going to claim to be the truth and you can't it's impossible for everybody to have that for these different id ideologies or philosophies for each one of them to be the truth and when you actually examine the scriptures, the scriptures tell you what the truth is, and that's the point. Well, if if you have two two different ideas, but they complement one another rather than contradict one another, then they both could be true. Am I correct? Uh, no, 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 no. They can't. I go to John. You, you, you can't. You, you, you can't have. You can't have two separate ideas, two separate um, thoughts. That are not contradictory, but complementary, and they both not be true. Exactly. If each if if each one is, is you may have two ones that complement each other, but that's not to say that both of them are espousing what the truth actually is. No, I'm not saying they guaranteed to be true. I'm saying the possibility exists that they both could be true. No, because there's only one truth, and the truth is. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers of the children of Israel. There's no complementary thoughts with the Heavenly Father that could even compare to his thoughts. Matter of fact, he tells you in Isaiah 55, in uh, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Okay, so it's perfectly clear that what he wants us to do, we can't even imagine and compare to even, okay, he said to do that, but I'm, I think I'm going to fly off and do this, and we're going to be right. The Lord's letting you know that there's only one way in his way, and all these different uh, people coming up with thoughts of religions and stuff, that's not what the Lord says. That stuff is off. One more verse, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, you know the, the earth to the atmosphere is many, many miles. So just because that's how the Heavenly Father's thoughts are way above man's thoughts and what he thinks is right, what man thinks is right, and what the Heavenly Father 
knows and commands his right. Okay. So it, it brings that, that that brings me to the uh the last discussion point we have here, and that is, you know, the one true religion. Is there such a thing as one true religion? Um you know, and if there is such a thing as one true religion, how do you go about deciding what that is? What's that method? You know, uh Abaja, could you bring some uh illumination to that? You know, how you know is there one true religion? First of all. Well I I, I would I don't care to use the word religion. You know, because when you look at the nature of that word and how it's been, you know, basically the examples of it in the world, then you got a thousand and one of them. But as far as what's true or what's the thing that we're supposed to abide by, I want to go to Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And this is, again, this is Paul dealing with those that supposedly knew the law and trying to explain something to him. He says, what advantage then have the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So we have to understand that before Christ walked the face of the earth, you had our people following basically the laws, statutes, and commandments under Moses regarding Levitical priesthood as far as receiving salvation is concerned, and they were honoring the temple. But it was prophesied that Christ was going to come and that he was going to have the preeminence over those things and all of those sacrifices, the temple and all of those things were basically shadows of those things pertaining to Christ and us receiving salvation. And typically, just to the point, those the ones that had the oracles of the Heavenly Father, those, these holy writings, they were supposed to know and understand that. That's why they had the advantage. So now, verse 3, he says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So now that we have Christ, he's come and given his life for those that, can, that are willing to repent and believe on him, those of Israel that are scattered to the four corners of the earth. He said, listen, you have those people that didn't have the understanding of the oracles of God. They just came in believing straight on Jesus Christ. So... Just because you don't believe that the Bible is true, because you don't believe Christ walked the face of the earth, because you don't believe that the Lord came to give salvation to Israel, is that going to counteract what these people believe that's true according to the Scriptures? No. That's why he said, God forbid. Let God be true, but every man a liar. How is that justified? He tells us in verse 4, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So when we refer back to what is written in the Scriptures, that's how we're going to be justified in saying, thus saith the Lord. That's how we're going to overcome when people come and say, well, that's not true. Well, this is what it says in the Bible. And the thing about it is that, to drive the point home even further, that goes back, he mentioned a very important point when he's talking about for what if some did not believe and their unbelief making the faith of God without effect. Mm -hmm. Because it tells you in Hebrews that he that cometh to the Lord must believe that he is. So for those that don't believe that this Bible is the word of God, then maybe it's not time for them to receive that, you know, that understanding. And that's up mm -hmm. to the Heavenly Father whether or not he will open that understanding up to them. But for those of us that do believe, this is the standard by which we judge our, our, our lives by and that we guide our lives by, and this is how we're going to conduct our lives, not according to the will of man. Okay. Now, about you, you brought up some, some terrific points there, but you also just brought up some other questions because, 
You know, now you're saying that in the scriptures is where it's at. That's where you find it. But now when you take, you could take 10 different people, all 10 of those people will read the same scriptures, read that Bible cover to cover, and you come up with 10 different ways of looking at it, 10 different understandings, 10 different perspectives. They won't agree. So how do you know? How can you how can you distinguish what's true when you have people reading the same material and coming up with something different? Well, well, the way you know is you judge what's being said and how people are acting according to what's written. Like Christ said in in John chapter fourteen and verse six, Jesus said unto him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." So people couldn't. People can read out of the Bible all that they want, but when it comes down to it, is is what they say found in a chapter and verse in the Bible? Is what they're doing justified by a chapter and a verse in the Bible? It's going to come down to always chapter and verse in the Bible. And if it's not there, then that person is not doing according to thus saith the Lord, and they're not following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ said, I do always those things that pleases my Father. Christ kept every commandment in the Bible. You was always able to reference what he was doing, how he was dealing, the commandments and the way he was living in a chapter and verse in a Bible. Right, but, but that's but, how you know. You you're gonna judge it by what's written in the scriptures. But but you have people that will claim that they're going by the chapter and verse in the Bible to support their understanding in the scriptures, but they still come up with a different understanding than the guy next to him that's reading the same chapters and verses. Well, Josiah, it, it just goes back to what the Lord said. I'm going to read Second Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Throwly furnished unto all good works Because the reason why you have A lot of that so-called Interpretation is because You have people for example that will take One scripture or one act Or one incident in the Bible and just take it and run with it You have people that will say Oh well John baptized the water We want to make the Baptist church or the Baptist faith Oh well you know at the Pentecost They received the gift of the Holy Spirit We're going to make this denomination Oh you know what Well we don't believe that Christ came So we're just going to follow this We don't. The, the Messiah has not come yet We're just going to follow you know, the Torah and the Old Testament But it says all scripture And you have to understand Is that when Christ came He was teaching out of the Old Testament because you have certain people, all they want to do is acknowledge the New Testament and just toss away the Old Testament. But it says all Scripture. That, that's why we have to look at the whole Bible. And there isn't, there aren't any contradictions in the Bible. But when you have people that will take one Scripture and run a thousand miles with it, that's where your contradictions come from. That's part of exactly. it. The other part of it is that okay, well, that, look, that contradiction is going to be fueled by them trying to use the Bible to satisfy their own lusts. Let's look at it this way. Let's look at it. Um, Here's someone who's just picked up the scriptures, you know, a couple of people just picked up the scriptures and started reading it for the first time, and they gain an understanding. Would you say that their understanding, you know, just picking the scriptures up and reading it for the first time, that understanding is going to be elementary even after a period of three, six months? Or would you say that their understanding is going to be advanced? Okay, and if you say that their understanding is advanced, uh, I'm sorry, um, 
in what you say that in advanced understanding is one where more and more people would come to an agreement. They would come to the same point as opposed to an elementary understanding. The problem with that, Yosai, is like it tells us in Corinthians, one man planteth, another man watereth, but God giveth the increase. Mm-hmm. That's different in, in every person. No, no man has the uh, control over a person's increase. That is only in the control of the Heavenly Father and the fruit to the Spirit. So, I mean, there's no, there's no way to say, okay, in three years you should be here. To, this is not a degree system in a college and men's university. This right. is the men being led according to the Holy Spirit as God supplies. So, so we can't determine what level a person is going to be on and when. That's up to the Most High who gives it the increase of that understanding. But, but we can... We can say, okay, based on this man's works and what he's doing the living, is it actually lining up with the scriptures or not? Let me just go into that question of that pure religion and how we don't have to be all over the place of what that actually is. Because James goes into it in James chapter 1 and verse 27. He tells you what, what religion truly is. James one twenty seven says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the Father and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. He is citing commandments. The very commandment he's citing is in Psalm chapter 80, 82 and verse 3, when it says, defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy. He's not telling you something that he made up. He's saying true religion actually is what? Keeping God's commandments. And when you do that, you're going to keep yourself unspotted, which means undefiled or keeping yourself away from transgressions of the commandments or keeping yourself away from sin. There it is. It's always going to go back to chapter and verse in a Bible. It's not going to be something that you got to make up. That's how you know whether a person is really following the Lord or not. Because what they say is either going to line up with the scriptures or it's not. And then also, Josiah, um, I know the time's getting short. Second, um, Peter 2 in verse 20, on down and reads, knowing this first, that there is no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the thing is, that scenario, ten people see ten different things, yeah, they may see ten, ten different things, but that's not the interpretation of the scriptures. That's not what uh, Christ wants us to see. And the thing is, we must align ourselves and ask Christ, like the brothers was bringing out, to give us the understanding so that we can get that one true word, meaning and understanding, which means goes defines interpretation, what the Heavenly Father wants us to do and to understand. Okay, but but still, yeah. you know, can can you see how even with everything that you presented, that someone listening to you can still be like, I still don't understand how I'm going to be able to identify this truth, the true one way. I still don't understand that. Can you see how they can still still say that? Well, Christ said he's the way, the truth, the life. So Christ is the truth. Okay, but but you know, every single Sunday you got people in church saying that they are following Christ. So what's the difference? 
Yes, sir. It, it basically just goes right back to what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to just go straight to the point. 7 and 20 where he says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Because when you look at the doctrine that Christ taught, Christ didn't go out and teach a prosperity doctrine. Christ did not teach that the laws are done away with. Christ did not teach Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Mother's Day, and things of that nature. But you have many people that carry uh, carry proudly the Christian banner and profess the name of Jesus, but yet they associate and embrace these things. But you cannot justify those things in the scriptures. <laughs> As far as going to church on, you know, you mentioned just as an example, going to church every Sunday. Okay, right. you look at the scriptures, you know, the disciples in Berea, they they gathered daily and searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. So mm-hmm. it's not a matter of someone going to church so-called on Sunday or having Bible study on Wednesday, as a lot of churches do, or whatever. But the things that uh, a lot of our so-called Christian denominations and churches and so-called followers of Christ has accepted as uh, as doctrine is not justifiable in the uh, in the scriptures and is you can actually prove the origins of it being based in paganism and witchcraft and idolatry but yet these are the things that they embrace and profess and say that they believe in Jesus Christ and it just goes back that cannot be justified in the scriptures because when you look at the doctrine that Christ taught it was about repentance from sin what is sin? The transgression of the law, which means that the law is not done, done away with. But again, that's another doctrine that's being taught in a lot of your so-called Christian churches. And so also, that's how you know, you're able to judge that. And, and also, the, the Apostle Paul said why people are blinded to the true understanding of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he tells us because the God of this world has blinded them because of their lust and they... Uh, desire to, to live basically in sin and not repent and keep God's commandments. Even even our Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear. In John chapter uh, 7 and verse 17, he says, If any man will do his will, meaning the will of his father, which is what? Keep his commandments. Christ says what? He shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. That's Jesus Christ or any other person in the world. If you keep God's commandments, you're going to know if the doctrine is of the Lord or is not of the Lord, because it's going to be what? According to the commandments of the Most High. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. It's not going to be nothing else. There's no deep, dark mystery. God is not hiding it. He's telling us what to do. And if it's not lining up with the commandments of the Lord, which Christ kept every commandment and taught us how to keep it, that's why he said if you will do his will, God's will, keep his commandments, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself, or whether any man speak of himself. That's how you discern. You have to do the will of the Father, which means what? You got to repent and keep his commandments. Then the understanding will begin to open to you. That's the answer. Okay. Well, brothers, uh, we, we covered a lot of territory on this whole um, topic of making a, a religion. Or make your own religion And uh, You know Your brothers have uh, definitely bought it out I mean there it is right there You know it's by their fruits You know you you take a look at it To see if they're lining up with what's in the scriptures And if they're committing sins As a religion Then obviously that's not true Am I saying that pretty good bro? Pretty much Alright Pretty much 
Well, brothers, I definitely appreciate all your participation. I appreciate those people who uh, have called in, those that are in the chat room and those listening in. But most of all, all appreciation goes out to the Most High in the name of His Son, Christ. Until next time, I'll say shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom. Thank you.